Hello, and welcome to another episode of Endeavors. On today's show, renowned scientist, giraffe expert, and subject of the documentary, The Woman Who Loves Giraffes, Anne Innistag, and the director of that documentary, Allison Reed. That's today on Endeavors. You're listening to Endeavors Radio with your host from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, Dan McKee. Hey there, happy Wednesday, and welcome to Endeavors. Yes, the show will be about art and film, but we're also talking about science today. In particular, giraffes. Because before there was Jane Goodall, or Baruch Galdikas, or even Diane Fossey, any of Leakey's Angels, there was Anne Innes Dag. Well, the angels studied primates, Dag went a different route. Giraffes. In fact, she wrote what many in her their field considered to be the Bible on giraffes and giraffe science. She was assistant professor of zoology at Guelph University and has also taught courses on mammalogy and wildlife behavior and has studied camels and primates and was one of the first scientists to document and write about homosexual behavior in animals. Despite having a PhD and has pup and publishing over 60 scientific papers in 1972 she was denied tenure at Guelph or University of Guelph due to concerns about her qualifications many including dag were convinced it was sexism and that tenure was still a man's world. Because of that, or in spite of that, she started a second career writing about how women were treated in science and academia, authoring many books and articles. Although she has been famous in the scientific and zoological circles for decades, um, until recently, she has been largely unknown to the Canadian masses, particularly the younger generation. But recently, she has been the subject of two documentaries. In 2011, she was featured on the CBC Radio Ideas series uh, as part of the 2011 documentary Wild Journey, the Anne Innes story, which was created by Sandy Bork. Allison Reed came upon that and made the feature documentary The Woman Who Loves Giraffes, which originally came out in 2018. In light of the film, Guelph University issued a formal apology and created the Dr. Anne Innes Dag Summer Research Scholarship, which aims at supporting undergraduate women studying zoology or biodiversity. And last year, in 2019, Governor General Julie Payette appointed her as a member of the Order of Canada. In addition to getting to speak with Anne, she was enjoined. She was joined by her director, Allison Reed, who has also worked as a stunt coordinator for 30 years on such projects as Degrassi, 
Murdoch Mysteries, Suits, Below Her Mouth, Wet Bum, one of my favorite films, Rookie Blue, Combat Hospital, the American version of Skins, among countless other productions, and has directed episodes of Murdoch Mysteries, Saving Hope, Heartland, and Hudson and Rex. The Woman Who Loves Giraffes originally premiered in 2018 and features the voices of Tatiana Maslany and Victor Garber. This is my conversation with Dr. Anne Innistag and Allison Reed. I am very honored to be joined on the phone by zoologist Anne Innistag and documentary filmmaker Allison Reed. Hello, thank you for thank you both for being here this afternoon. Thanks very much for having us, Dan. Yeah, thanks just for having us. Uh, so I, I know the, the film that you made together, um, the, the Woman Who Loves Giraffes, originally came out um, in, in 2018. But uh, Allison, what, what made you want to tell this story of Anne that, not a lot of, that sadly not a lot of Canadians are familiar with? I understand you came across her in a, in a CBC radio documentary? about her and I just thought her story was incredibly gripping and and thought it amazing that um, not many Canadians or not many people around the world outside of um, people in the giraffe community knew about Anne. So I read her book. She wrote a book called Pursuing Giraffe, a 1950s adventure, which um, told the whole story of her you know, falling in love with giraffes when she was four years old and, you know, being on this mission to learn about giraffes, but there being no information about them at that time. So, you know, she got her her master's in biology and then set out to um, South Africa by herself to study them in 1956. And that was, uh, you know, before scientists studied animals in the wild. There was no... Jane Goodall yet, no Diane Fossey, of course, so um, she was really breaking ground on a number of different levels, and the, you know, the, you know, the adventures that she um, encountered and the, and the turmoil um, really spoke to me, so I thought it would make a, a really good film. And for you, out of all the animals in the world, was there something specific that drew you to the giraffe? How surprised were you to, to learn that fact about this book that you set out to write is now held in such high regard by, by people in that field? Well, well, I guess I didn't really appreciate it until actually the film came out because um, a good friend of mine, was. Uh, we did it with both of us working together and we um, nobody seemed very interested when it came out. And I guess, you know, there are a lot of books coming out about different animals and, and um, for a while... For, 
or years went by and nobody really noticed it. Well, I guess I guess they noticed it, Anne, but you didn't know that they noticed it. Yeah, I guess yeah, that I guess was the thing. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's better. <laughs> it was a bit of a surprise to Anne when she got, um, you know, when she she, you know, she had an absence. That, I don't know if you're going to talk about that, Dan. Um, I call it her giraffe hiatus, where she was absent from the giraffe world for for decades due to no. Fault of her own. You know, no fault of her own. And um, But the giraffe community had not forgotten about her, and they they knew her because of this book she'd written, and they actually um, sought her out and uh, rediscovered her. So Anne was re-immersed into the, into the giraffe world and realized with, with all the autographs, et cetera, that she's a bit of an icon in that world. <laughs> now, that was a very happy day for me. <laughs> How, Allison, how closely did you work with Anne just in terms of creating the documentary and, and, and telling the story you wanted to tell? Well, I mean, Anne and I traveled lots of places together. <laughs> I mean, when I found out she was going back to Africa for the first time in, in over half a century, um, I asked her if I could tag along with her and... Uh, and film the experience, and I actually ended up tagging along with her for the next five years, and the story sort of unfolded as it, as it went along, you know, events happened that we never could have uh, predicted that were very, very happy coincidences. For instance, um, a giraffe conference that Anne was attending was taking place uh, near Kruger National Park in uh, South Africa. And that happened to be just a stone's throw away from Fleur de Lis, which is the the place where Anne did her pioneering research. So um, we have 60 millimeter footage. Anne had the 60 millimeter footage of her working on giraffes from back in the 50s, and we were able to go back to those exact same places with her, you know, over half a century later. So that was a pretty special opportunity. Yeah, that was pretty exciting. <laughs> And why, why do you think Africa in, in particular, and you know, in countries like Kenya and, and South Africa, have become such a hot spot for nature and, and wildlife study compared to other places in the world? Well, well I guess the, these, um, the areas where we're at were, were one of the best places in the world because they, they were uh, open for animals. For example, Mr. Matthews had a lot of cattle, but also um, probably many, many, well, many, many giraffe as well. And of course now um, you have to choose between whether you're going to have a um, giraffe or whether you're going to have a, um, get money for making crops. And, and this is one of the problems we're worrying about giraffe becoming fewer and fewer. Uh, yeah, it's really, it really was the epicenter, and I guess still is the epicenter of, of um, of where those megafauna live. You, and as uh, Dan says, the yeah. habitat, the habitat, oper- I mean, the habitat is just, um, just being infringed upon so, so drastically that, um, that their numbers are, are declining quite a lot. I mean, uh, giraffes, as, as Anne has been sort of flying under the radar, giraffes have been flying under the radar as well. Not many people are, aware that they are like more endangered than than elephants for instance so there are about i think about a uh, 500,000 elephants in the wild whereas there are only about a hundred less than a hundred thousand giraffes in the wild so it's really 
there's been quite a drop in it, and um, it's a pretty dire situation. This film strikes me as sort of part, like mostly a portrait with with a little bit of of, of nature documentary going in. Uh, Allison, as a director, how do you go about constructing a visual biography of somebody? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you find someone someone like Ann Dag who doesn't throw anything out and happen to have uh, you know footage of herself in the in the 1950s i mean that was as i mentioned that was a real a real gift to have that that footage of Anne doing her instrumental giraffe studies um all those years ago was a real gift in the storytelling um as were the letters that she wrote so we have all the correspondence that in um wrote to her mother and to her fiance Ian while she was at Fleur de Lis. And the the letters are really give insight, you know, not only into, you know, the time period that was um, apartheid in Africa. So, you know, attitudes were so different and and um, that really comes through in the letters, as does the character of young Anne who and she hasn't changed much by the way. I mean she's just, you know, full of enthusiasm for everything she's uh she's uh, for the life she's living there and also humor you know there's banter back and forth with her her fiance who would later become her husband it's they're really beautiful letters so we have the um tatiana maslany actually plays the voice of young anne in the documentary and victor garber plays uh the voice of mr matthew who was the um south Africa, african rancher that allowed uh and to stay with him while she was doing her studies. So there was a wealth of material, you know, photographs and and all that. J- just on on the note of uh, Tatiana and Victor, how did those two come to be involved? And was it important to you that they're both Canadian? <laughs> yes, it was important for two reasons. Um... um um, yes. Uh, well, of course, there are there are financial considerations. So there's there's um, tax credits that come along with uh, with Canadian Canadian labor. So that's one reason. But um, I also thought that um, you know Tatiana, I think, has uh, very similar values to Anne. So it was important to get someone with the skills to you know be able to channel the spirit of young Anne, but but that she, you know, has very similar values to Anne was important to me, and I think it, it really helps. And for you, you know, uh, uh, how easy or, or difficult was it for you to appear on camera and, and, and relive all these memories, you know, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly? Oh, I loved it. I didn't, I never had felt important before and, and here I was being important and, and I really loved every day of it. <laughs> and uh, and bringing back these old memories about my pictures of my fiance and it was it was a wonderful thing. It was a, just a happy, happy couple of years when we were working on um, on all the uh, details for the, uh, for the movie. And uh, not only did you, did you get to go back to Africa with Allison, but you you also brought brought your daughter um, along. What was what was that like to to experience that with her? Oh, that was that was just wonderful. She, she and I are very close, and uh, 
she was really excited to see all the giraffes, and, and um, I was a lot excited to see her enjoying the giraffes and the other animals and, and, and talking to the native peoples and doing just the things that I had done when I was young. So that was, that was just a wonderful occasion, and, and um, she and I are, are very close, I guess, even more than we were before because of that, which was great. Yeah. yeah, to me it was um, it was really instrumental in the storytelling. Um, one of the things about Anne's life that appealed to me was that she had such a close relationship with her mother. And when you think about it, you know, Anne's, Anne's father had passed away uh, before she went to Africa. So her mom was um, by herself. All the other siblings had left home. Anne was the youngest. And, um, and Mary Quayle Innes encouraged her daughter to go to Africa. And um, despite the fact that she was, you know, clearly worried about her daughter and anything could have happened, and it wasn't like you could pick up a cell phone and, you know, check in on her. Um, but she she put those fears aside and was really, I think, the wind beneath your wings, huh, Anne? Yeah, I, th- I think she was. I think um, the fact that she agreed and, and was happy I should go, and that was a huge thing for me because... Having my father die and her being all alone, it was um, it was a sad occasion up up till that time. Yeah, and then to bring Mary back, so to be able to bring your own daughter back to the very place that you were writing those letters to your mom, you know, really, I thought bring, brought things full circle. Yeah, it, it really, really, it really did. It was um, quite moving, actually. Yeah. It- and do you do you still have vivid memories for you of the the first time you set foot on African soil and then arrived at at, at the Fleur de Lis Ranch? Oh well, I remember each of them exactly. <laughs> um, I we, we stopped. I stopped at an earlier place and then uh, was trying to get permission to go. And I was um, at Rhodes University really with uh, people there and. We were all excited. We sent off this letter saying, could Anne come? And then he said, no, she can't because she's a woman. And then he, I begged again, and this time he said I could come. And so it was a month of really uh, complete excitement, actually, and finding out what Africa was like and then finally getting what I wanted to actually get to the giraffe farm. <laughs> That's right. When you landed in, you know, you took a ship from from Canada to London, and then, you know, in London, you took a ship around to Port Elizabeth, South Africa. And, yeah. and that's where you were when you, um, when Mr. Matthew discovered you were a woman. So, so Anne had written letters to everyone she could think of in Africa, or, um, game, uh, you know, university organizations, etc., um, looking for a place to stay so that she could study giraffes. And she got all these rejection letters. Um, it was just no, 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 no. And one of the letters said, this is, you know, Africa is no place young woman. So Anne started to think that it was because she was a woman that she was getting these rejection letters. So she started to sign her name with her initial. So people wouldn't, it wouldn't be apparent that she was a woman. And that's when she got the yes from Mr. Matthew. And she was so excited to get the yes, even though he clearly thought she was a man, um, that she she didn't bother to straighten it out. Uh, she just left. She just said, that's it, I'm going. And uh, she wrote him a letter from London saying, oh, by the way, I'm a woman, so I don't think I can bunk in with the cow hands. So by the time she landed in Port Elizabeth, there was a telegram from him saying, you can't come. This is not proper. My wife's not here. My daughters aren't here. You can't come. So, 
so as Ann said, she spent the month uh, convincing him otherwise. <laughs> uh, you know, on, <laughs> on that note, Allison, you, you alluded earlier to the many years where Anne was absent um, from the draft community. And Anne, you started writing about um, feminism and, and, and how women are treated at, at universities and, and in science based on, on your own um, unfortunate experience at both Guelph and, 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 and Waterloo. Um, how, how, how different do you think your, well, first touch, touch on that, but how, how different do you think your life would be if you weren't denied tenure? Oh, I think, well, I, think I would have every, um, usually professors are allowed a, a, a leave when they can do their work. And I would have thought I'd go every year to Africa and stay there maybe three months and then learn certain things about them and then their different subspecies and whether these different subspecies work differently, that sort of thing. Yeah. So I, we, I would have gone every every year, I think, and uh, and if, if I could have got the money as well. But of course, this was impossible because now I didn't have any money or any job. <laughs> yeah. So just to fill everyone in on what happened, Anne came back from Africa. You know, had done this groundbreaking work. Was published in refereed scientific journals. She had a job at. Uh, the university. Um, she loved teaching. She had an excellent teaching record, and you know she was on a tenure track posi- position. Her her dream was to become a professor, right, Anne? And yeah. as she said, continue to continue to teach and to um, continue her giraffe research. But despite her ample qualifications, she was denied tenure, which is in fact being fired. So um, that a similar experience happened to her at all three universities in her area, uh, University of Guelph, Wilfrid Laurie, and, uh, and Waterloo just said they wouldn't hire married women for professorships, period, at that time. So, um, so you know, that's what, what, in, what caused what I call Duran's hi- um, uh, hiatus from the draft community. So, um, so after that, as you say, she started uh, her uh, standing up for women's rights and, and writing books about um, women in academia. I mean, one of the, her books is called Miseducation. And, yeah. And and for you was was your writing process at all different when you wrote about giraffes and biology versus writing about politics and, and feminism and human yeah, rights? I'm sure, I'm sure it would be because, of course, I was so happy to read <laughs> about biology and I was so angry with men for being for not allowing women to be scientists. It just was, yeah, it was like, like night and day, actually. But I enjoyed writing them going against the men because they hated it and they really didn't know what to do <laughs> because they, they, they knew that I was telling the truth, but they couldn't let know that they thought that so that took um, maybe several 30 years maybe to work with <laughs> you <laughs> I don't know if we won but we, we we went along a little way anyway well on you know on that note the the film has a, a nice ending where you where you go to DC and and participate um in in, in the women's march for you who oh. you know as as someone who has been fighting for this for so long 
what was that experience like for you? Just being being joined by all these other proactive individuals. Oh, it was fantastic. They were, I think, uh, my daughter's friend had about fifteen women all living at her place, so we could get to the march early, and then we were yelling and shouting and watching other people and holding up signs, and and it was just a wonderful, wonderful day. One of the best days I've ever had, actually was the march in um, Washington. Do you, do you consider yourself a, a, a pioneer or, or activist at all? Well, I haven't really, but I, but I am, because I've, I've really, actually, I've done a pretty well things that I wanted yeah. to do and that other people hadn't done. So I think I probably am. Well, I'm, yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> I, aren't I, Ali? You definitely are, Anne. You definitely are. You... <laughs> You, you talked about in the film, you made a decision very early on n- not to kill, um, which was in, in contrast to a lot of other people who were studying animals at the time. Do you remember what went into that decision for you? Well, I, I just, it, well, I mean, if you love the thing, how could you kill it? So I just, it was just so obvious. I just couldn't understand how anyone could study an animal and want to kill it. So... I would never do that, and then I would never eat animals for that reason. But a lot of um, men, I guess, didn't feel that way. <laughs> the you talk with with that young um, PhD, the the South African man who had just finished his uh, PhD, and and he talks about how giraffes and and a lot of other animals almost need human in- interference uh, in, in order to. S- to survive. So where do you think we are right now in, in terms of uh, gi- giraffe science and and what the future holds? Well, I think we're sort of at the precipice now. If, if we don't do something now, um, they'll all be gone. And if we do do something now, then I think we can save them. So that's why we're so anxious to, to um, do what we can to um, make sure money goes over to people we know that can spend it on drafts and uh, um, buying areas where they couldn't have drafts and not other animals, that sort of thing. Yeah. So um, that's really a lot a lot of what we're doing yeah. nowadays. I, um, when, I, yeah. when I first approached Anne about making a film about her, she said, why giraffes are in, in such danger and I want to help save them, why don't we make about, a film about giraffes instead? <laughs> so um, I was able to, uh, of course, me selfishly wanted to make a film about Anne. Um, but when, when we thought about it, we thought that, you know, conservation films are often very hard for animal lovers to watch and other people to watch. So um, making a film about this pioneering, adventurous woman and going along on the journey with her is a, a friendly way into the conservation story. I mean, people that watch Anne's story, you know... You go on a ride and, you know, uh, learn a lot about giraffes and, and have a lot of, uh, there are a lot of smiles, I think, in the film, and it's a very inspirational film, but they'll also um, get a picture, a, a real picture of uh, the kind of plight that giraffes are facing and, and the kinds of things that we can do to help. I mean, Anne supports three giraffe conservation organizations, um, and those organizations are on our website. 
uh, we have a website called thewomanwholovesgiraffes.com where there's a lot of information about the film and where it's playing, but also a, a take action page. And um, you can see there about uh, organizations like Save the Giraffe and Wild Nature Institute that are doing really good work with uh, giraffes. Uh, I think I read somewhere in that there's um, 1,600 giraffe, roughly 1,600 giraffes in, in zoos and captivities uh, and, and the rest are in the wild. How do you, how do you compare those two things and are, are, are zoos a good thing? Because I know, I know we had that incident a couple years ago with the uh, giraffe at, at the Danish zoo. Where, where are you on zoos? I don't think we should ever take any animals out of the other where they are and put them in zoos nowadays. But since we have them in zoos, and they, um, you can't really send them back into the wild, so I think we should just continue to have zoos for zoos for um, young people, especially, can see animals and maybe think about going and looking at after them in the wild themselves. And I, 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 but I don't think we should ever set up a new new zoos from now on. And, um, you know, the, the zoos that are accredited zoos um, are giving the animals a much, much better life than they, than they used to be. There are zoos that have, have good environments, and zoos are instrumental in supporting conservation. So um, all the zoos that we visited, I think, and do send uh, part of their proceeds to um, different conservation organizations, so that's a good thing, too. And as Anne says, you know, she fell in love with a giraffe at a zoo. So, you know, hopefully other young people will, uh, you know, get a taste of the animal and uh, go and do work with it in the wild when they grow up. So yeah. there are there are pluses. And, I, I, and a, lot, a lot of young people are, are, are writing to me, like me and uh, we're talking about that, and they're excited about doing this, and this is a possibility. So that's quite different than when I was young because no, no one thought of that as even being possible. Uh, um, yeah, I, uh, I do know that recently, I think it was 2016, the giraffes went from uh, threatened to vulnerable. In, in, in biological terms, what exactly? They, they went from as least of least concern. Right. So for all those years, the IUCN Red List of Endangered Species listed giraffes as of least concern, even though that their numbers were so low, as we've talked about. And yeah, and it was December of 2016, you're right, when they were upgraded to vulnerable to extinction. And several subspecies have since been categorized as um, critically endangered. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. No, no worries. Um, it- and I actually, I just wanted to do a clarification on the species because I've read that officially there's one species and nine subspecies, but some people think that there might actually be more than one species, and I don't know if you can speak to that at all. Well, um, the people, are, I know a lot of the giraffe people, and, and uh, the ones I know don't think this is a good idea at all, and don't agree that there are different, um, different complete species. Yeah, it's it's all um, being debated right now, isn't it, Anne? Um, yeah. Um, I think the thought is that, you know, the nine subspecies don't interbreed by themselves in the wild. They interbreed, they will interbreed if they're intermingled in zoos. So, but there are some people that do think that perhaps there are 
you know, more than one actual species of giraffes, in which case, you know, they're a lot more endangered <laughs> than we thought. So, but I, the taxonomy thing is very up in the air right now, as Anne said, and, and it's, it's being debated um, amongst the experts. Yeah. How do you, how do you think, you know, in, in advances in, in science and technology can help not only giraffes, but all, um, and, you know, uh, animal um, populations? Because I know that something like only 25% of calves in the wild can reach adulthood, but then you see that um, clip in the film of, of the first uh, giraffe born by artificial insemination. Can can something like that that help improve the giraffe population going forward? I don't really think so. I think you can spend a lot of money on fooling around and doing things like that, but I think if you just put giraffes in an area where they can be alone and, and have food, um, that's probably going to be what works best. <laughs> they know what they're doing. Yeah, well, just uh, interesting because uh, you know you talked in the film about how how giraffes mount each other, um, and it's much more common in males than we think. And is this true? And you were the very first person, at least I read, or one of the very first people to write about um, homosexual behavior in, in in the animal kingdom. Um, and this was back, you know, in in the sixties and seventies when no one really talked about that. Did did you have any qualms about writing that when you did at the time? Well, I was really excited. I remember seeing this and thinking, my goodness, that's, that's amazing. And then I thought, well, maybe all people are, who are farmers know about this. But then when I read anything about farming, they didn't mention that either. So I actually wrote, I think, the first paper about this and, and found that there were scores of animals that had... Um, uh, that had um, uh, homosexual, <laughs> yeah. homosexual activity in there. Yeah, of all sorts, especially, especially males mounting males. So, um, yeah, that, that was really quite exciting as well because it seemed so weird at the time. <laughs> and, you know, on that note, what do you think the study of animals and, and wildlife and, and their behavior, can it teach us anything about our own society and, and our own behavior? I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to say. It's fun to think about it, but um, <laughs> it's hard to come up with any um, rational <laughs> decision. I think. What, what do you think, Ali? <laughs> Can we learn something about our own behavior from? Are we still on the homosexual topic? I've, no, no. Just, ju- just in general. Just in general. Like, from, from what can, what can studying wildlife perhaps teach us about human interaction and behavior, if anything? Yeah, that is a good one. That is a good one because often it's the opposite, isn't it? We we tend to um, impose or anthropomorphize animals. I think sometimes when we're looking at them, we think they're doing something similar to us. But I I wonder if it works the other way. I'm not sure. Well, I think often it doesn't. Yeah. And um, that's what makes it so interesting. Every species really is um, has its own um, rationale. Uh, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this. I heard that, uh, I don't know if it's NASA or, or some organization is studying giraffe skin in, in order to help astronauts. Um, are you, are, have you been contacted about that at all? No, I haven't. I haven't heard anything about that at all. Oh, I... Are you referring to perhaps, if, is it the 
giraffe skin or is it the giraffe, um, their blood pressure system? Because I know that, and you explained to me about the um, giraffes having a very unique um, and efficient uh, system for blood pressure because their heads are so high um, and they have to go bring their heads down to drink and up again. If they didn't have incredibly uh, good blood pressure control systems, they would pass out. So I, I, I know you told me that astronauts do um, use that. Technology. Yeah, but I'm not sure about the giraffe skin. I haven't heard anything. Okay, yeah, about that. yeah. It, it, it might be it might be that more more specifically, like their their internal systems, because it, it could help the astronauts when they're at uh, like low 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 gravity or or, or yeah something yeah, like exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. No, I think you're you're right about that. Um, you you had sort of and touched there a little bit on the anthrop you know, anthropomorphic giraffes. And how, how do you feel, you know, are, uh, giraffes are treated in literature? We, we've seen a couple, like I know Roald Dahl wrote about them, like kids' book. We've seen them in, in The Lion King and in Madagascar. And then we have, you know, things like Sophie and, 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 and Jeffrey, Jeffrey did the giraffe. Have, are, have they had their due in, in, in fiction or do we need more stories about giraffes? Well, I think you, can, you always need more, of course. They're so wonderful. <laughs> but, um, well, well, it's hard to say, but I think um, it's one of the most interesting animals ever. I think a lot of people would agree that this is one of the most odd and interesting animals in the world. So I like to think of it as at the top of the procession. <laughs> can never have enough giraffes. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I know uh, Salvador Dali said that the giraffe was a symbol of masculinity, and in you know the the Medici giraffes in Zanga had a, had a big procession. Uh, for a feminist like you, what do you make of that statement? I, I haven't even heard that. Tell me about I that. I haven't heard uh, that well, either. I, I know because I know um, uh, Dali in in a couple of his artworks, he he you know in his surrealist paintings, he had a giraffe uh, a flaming giraffe uh on fire and so uh i read somewhere that so he can he could he considered uh the giraffe a symbol of masculinity and that a flaming giraffe was like you know some sort of mythical masculine apocalyptic monster i mean i mean i mean that's that's a very dolly thing to say so you know yeah, no, that, that's completely new to me, and I'm going to forget it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, you, you know, um, Allison, I, I mentioned sort of the, the, the nature documentary part of this, and nature documentaries are notorious for being absolutely visually stunning. Um, for you, what was the most um, exciting part of getting to, to film this, this beautiful ecosystem that you see in Africa? Well, <laughs> that's a, wow. Well, you know what popped into my head um, was getting to film Anne's face, observing it, because that's what gave me, I mean, I, I had always had a, you know, um, a fascination with, with, Africa, with Africa and the African animals when I was a kid, but the very first time I went to Africa... I was filming Anne, so I was getting a double whammy of glee. <laughs> one was actually experiencing those animals myself, and um, the second one was was filming her experiencing it again. And man, you can just see, 
you can just feel, I mean, when you see her in, in the wild. We Actually, Anne and I just got back from Kenya uh, two weeks ago and just had her 87th birthday in Kenya. And uh, we were watching giraffes, and it was the same thing. Still, um, Yeah, it wasn't wonderful. Yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was a euphoric it time, was, it, for sure. And it was it was a it was a good birthday party. It was. <laughs> they had giraffe. They they made uh, giraffe. We actually it was like everywhere we go, they would they would um, hear that it was Anne's birthday and they would celebrate. So I think you had three different cakes from three different people, Anne, and they were all giraffe cakes in one uh, one form or another. That's why we're all so fat nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> It was, and they put themselves out to be so gracious, and, and uh, especially the ones that have them sort of tame. And we were able to pat some of them and, and give them biscuits, and it was it was miraculous. A very, very, very. That, happy yes, that was the uh, giraffe manor. So we we spent time in Samburu, which is a big reserve where the giraffes and many, many other animals uh, roam freely. But then on our on our last day out, we stayed at Giraffe Manor, which some people may have seen on on YouTube or or on the internet. Um, it's where the giraffes are. The Rothschild giraffes are very tame, and they are conditioned to um, to come in and stick their head in the windows of the manor and have breakfast with you, and you can <laughs> feed them. <laughs> on our on our Facebook page, I took a, a, a lovely video of Anne. Um, with uh, with uh, Betty, this giraffe that stuck her head in the window at breakfast time, and uh, it's quite a moving video. You can see how moved Anne is by it. I haven't actually seen it yet. <laughs> you haven't? No, I don't think so. Oh, I should show it to you. Oh yeah, I want you to just, see it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and you just it, you just put your hands over your face and weep. You're so overcome. And yeah. and for you, you know, Al Allison said this this was five years in the making, what was the most memorable or exciting thing for you in this journey in, in telling your story? I, I think it was probably going back for the second time to Fleur de Lis, the place where I'd been so long ago, and, and finding it very different, but enough so that I could recognize it. And it was just amazing to see giraffe in that same area, although they weren't as well off or as numerous as they had been, but it, it was... Um, it was very, very, very. Um, <laughs> I don't even know the word to use, but it, but it was amazing. Um, I I feel like, Anne, you're you're finally getting your due. I know uh, it in the film it's depicted you receiving an award um, from that conference from your peers, um, and then later you get an apology from the university and an award named after you from the institution. And recently, congratulations, you just received um, the Order of Canada. Uh, for, for, from your country, what what do those specific pieces of, of recognition mean to you? Oh, they're, they're they're amazing to find out that people did care after all those years of people not caring and telling me to shut up when I was going on about draft. To find out that this was a wonderful thing that I'd done, it, it's it's um, one of the happiest times of my life. It's great. Allison, what what does somebody like Anne mean to you as a woman? Mean to you as as a Canadian and and as a storyteller? Oh, she's <laughs> you better just, be quit. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's just such an inspiration. Um, you know, there was just something about Anne that spoke to me, and when I met her 
Um, I found just an incredibly modest woman with an, you know, incredible sense of humor and incredibly accomplished and talented. And that combination, I think, is is pretty rare. But, um, you know, I've been with Anne, you know, on so many travels, and she's always got a smile on her face. You know, she's... she's, She's just always got a smile on her face, and she always finds the yes. I just think she's, and she's just so herself. I don't think she has the capacity to lie or hide her feelings about anything. She just tells it exactly the way it is and, um, you know, forges ahead with um, whatever whatever goal is on her mind. And she must have a goal, by the way. Like, if she doesn't have something to be working on, I think she, she says this in her book, Smitten by Giraffe, her mem- memoir, she gets very... Fancy. She, like she needs, um, she needs. She's a doer, and um, so it's been it's been wonderful on every single level to um, to spend this time with her. Oh, thank you. And and what what do you want your legacy to be? Well, I think just I think the movie that Ali has made is just a, a superb one, and and I'm really really happy that that I'm, that I'm in that and. That's my legacy, really. And if she does another film, that'll be more fun. It'll be yes. wonderful. Yes, we're um, my initial um, my initial concept was to do a, a narrative film, a scripted film about Anne. And um, this this documentary was sort of a, a a sideline when I found out she was going back to Africa. But now that we're we're finished with this, we're um, we're starting to work on the scripted version of her story because there's so many layers, believe it or not, that um, are in her life that um, I couldn't address in the documentary. But in the um, in the narrative version, we'll we'll do it, won't we, Anne? <laughs> so it'll certainly be fun. <laughs> so Anne, that begs the question: Who do you want to play you? Oh, that'll be really hard because I'll I'll think they're not good enough. I think. <laughs> Even if it's Hel- Helen Mirren, Anne. For the well, older Anne? <laughs> well, we'll have to see, but it's, <laughs> uh, it's going to be a little bit of um, heartache yeah. and really, you know, and I'm, I'm, t- I'm too old to do this now. But t- t- Tatiana Maslany as the young know. Anne and then Helen Mirren as the old Anne, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be better, yeah. <laughs> um, and finally, to an audience who sees this film, what do you hope they take away from it? Well, I hope they take away that we've got to save giraffes and we should love animals that live in the wild and, and protect them and, and all good things like that, I think, would be my first hope. You too, Ellie? Yes, and I would add to that, for sure, that, Anne, that's so important. Um, but also that, um, you know, men, women, young people, I mean, people should follow their dreams no matter what um, obstacles they face, as you did. And you can see that no matter how dire things may seem, um, time can turn them around. Time and persistence can turn them around. So, you know, hold on to those dreams and don't be afraid to pursue them. Well, the film is The Woman Who Loves Giraffes, Alison Reed, Anne and Estag. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Oh, thanks for listening to us. We really appreciate it. All right, Thanks well, for having us. You two have a really good day now. Okay. Right. Bye, then. Bye. Bye. That was my conversation with the scientist, Dr. Ann Innistag, and director Allison Reed. The film is 
The Woman Who Loves Giraffes. You can visit thewomanwholovesgiraffes.com to find out where you can see the film, or you can visit them on Facebook, the woman who facebook.com slash the woman who loves giraffes, or on Instagram at the woman who loves giraffes, or on Twitter at Anne Dag Movie. Just want to give a shout out this week to my friend Costa Petra- Costa Petraitis, who also worked uh, on this film as a visual effects coordinator. Hope to see you soon, Costa. My thanks to Allison Reed and Anne Innistag, and thanks to you all for tuning in. I will see you next time. Goodbye for now. Artists like to have a lot of sex. <laughs> <laughs>